for tuning into the 537th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Charles Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I thank you for making me in this show part of your day, whether it be a Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Air Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast, the upper platform you may be listening to me via. Going to have a great podcast for you guys. Going to have Eli Weisberger on to do part two of our NBA takeaways for the second half of the NBA season. Uh, some parts will be a little outdated. Bear with me, folks, but it was a great conversation. And this will be part two. I released part one last week, so you guys can go check that on the podcast library. Uh, probably about two podcasts ago. So it would be podcast 535. So check that out if you haven't listened to this one. Or check this one out and listen to that one, whichever you want to do. Uh, now, before we get to all that, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be a Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, everything timestamped, and click on the timestamp, and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at nitrogen underscore lane. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane, you will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my second show outside the shopping. Lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, I'm not going to let the pod. Then for right now, we're not, folks. But just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Eli Weisberger on the show. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, folks. $1,000. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can thumb on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlay spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, your betting options feel endless. It never ends, folks. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever, wherever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPN. Make your first deposit and get risk-free bets up to $1,000 again. That's promo code TPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Eli Weisberger with us as we go through our NBA takeaways in the middle of the season. So Eli, for me, I'm going to go with the Lakers. Uh, trade or no trade, uh, it's not going to make a difference. This is a team that's... and But a lot of people, especially on ESPN, would, would want you to believe that it will make a difference. Uh, trade or no trade. There's nothing that's saving the Lakers. Uh, I think they're better off going one, two, three, Cancun. Uh, bad roster, just poorly managed in so many different ways. And I think the only thing a trade can do is maybe get them in 
to a more solid standing in the play-in. That's the only thing that uh, a trade can do. But the Lakers are pretty much cooked. Well, I'm going to give them some more credit than you will here. Because I think, because LeBron and AD are both playing at superstar levels. The problem is everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, look, Anthony Davis too. Um, But the role players around them are really, it's really looking really rough right now. Like they run too many three guard lineups with like Dennis Schroeder, Russell Westbrook, and uh, Patrick Beverly. There's way too much of that. Uh, because Darvin Ham, head coach Darvin Ham, he doesn't have any other options. I think if they can swing a trade, one of that, like that Utah trade, that might be out there, like to get Malik Beasley, Mike Conley, and Jared Vanderbilt, or maybe if they could get Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. from the Raptors, either of those trades, I do think they're a really, really solid team. Because those are all great role players to put around your top two stars who are playing like stars, which is really what matters. I think if they can somehow find a way to improve their role players at the, at the deadline, um, I think they will be a playing team at, at least, possibly a playoff team. I'm not saying though. They, they can be a contender this year. I don't think they can be a contender this year. But I do think a trade could put them into the playoffs. And uh, that leads me to my next takeaway, which is also has to do with the Lakers. Um, LeBron James is about to break the scoring record. He's 36 points away, and he has a game tomorrow against the Thunder. And... I just think it illustrates the, I don't know, like, unprecedented longevity of an NBA star. He's 38 years old, he's in his 20th season, and he's still one of the best players in the league. And he's about to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's 46-year-long standing record of most points in NBA history. You know what's ironic? I think, and maybe people might disagree with this, I think him breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record helps LeBron more in the GOAT conversation, how people view him compared to Michael Jordan than actually him winning another championship. I think the fact that he's going to break Kareem's record is more important. It's more impressive to me. It's more impressive. I I don't know. It doesn't change people's minds on the conversation because it never does, but I, I, I do think it's... It's more important, I will say this. Whether you think he's the greatest player or not, no pl- no player in the history of the game has played as high of a level as LeBron has this late into his career. That has never nope. happened. And it's not it even particularly happened. close. Right. I, I agree with you. It, it just illustrates the longevity of LeBron and how it compares to Jordan. He's definitely my goat. Uh, he was my goat even before this because of longevity but this just like it just obviously I think it really puts him over the top there's always going to be people that say Michael Jordan um, and you're never going to be able to convince him otherwise but for me LeBron is the greatest of all time and this just cements it so for me 
my next one is um, Kawhi Leonard. Um, I told you what I thought of Kawhi and the Clippers. Eli, one of my biggest takes was I, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's ever going to be the same again. I, I think the Kawhi Leonard, who I thought was one of the five best players in the NBA, I think that Kawhi Leonard is kind of dead and gone. I don't think... Uh, he's just been playing so well lately. I, I, I don't think... Toronto Raptors, Kawhi Leonard, we will not be seeing that again. I, I don't believe we'll see. I'm not I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying not an all-star, not an all-NBA player. I don't think best player on a championship team, top five player in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, best two-way player in the game, Kawhi Leonard, that guy's dead and gone. That guy's not coming back. I haven't seen that guy yet. I, I haven't seen that guy yet for a sustained period of time. I... I'm not ready to let go yet of the, of, you know, the Kawhi rope. I still think he has it in him. He needs to stay healthy. I think maybe what if he has another injury or just can't show up uh, in the playoffs because of injuries again, then I, I might be right there with you. Um, but I just think... Uh, He's just too good, and he's just been playing too well lately and not missing as many games for me to quite, you know, give up on him. And which leads me into my next takeaway perfectly because my next takeaway is deadline-related for the Clippers, and I think they desperately need a new point guard. But they don't even have a point guard. They just need a point guard. Uh, I know a lot of people are talking about how they need, you know, big depth behind Zubats because... When Jukebox is off off the floor, they literally have no other center. Like they've been running Nick Batum as their center, um, but I don't think that's as much of a problem when you get to the playoffs as not having a point guard down the stretch is. Because right now Paul George is their primary ball handler in late game situations. He's the one running the offense a lot of the times. You know, I don't just don't think Reggie Jackson's really cutting it as a, as their point guard. I think they should make a trade for a guard, whether it's Mike Conley, Fred VanVleet, or Kyle Lowry. I just think they need a floor general desperately for the playoffs. Yeah, that would definitely be a big addition for the Clippers. So my next one is with Zion Williamson. When Zion's healthy, he's a top 10 player in the NBA. Uh, 26, 7, and 5. I think he's better than Ja. I'll tell you, I think he's better than Ja. I think if both of them are healthy, I'm taking him over Ja. I'm sorry, I'm taking him. Ja out and Kawhi out. Yes, yes. Okay. I, I, yeah, when Zion plays, that's the one thing I'll say. When Zion plays, I'm just like, there, there aren't 10 players in the NBA who I think are better than him. There, there are. Uh, and he'd be at the back end of the top ten because the t- I mean the league is just so good. But top, t- I mean just the the explosiveness. I, I actually I think he might be the best athlete in the NBA. Uh, when you, yeah, when I watch him, because think with Josh, it's just a man that big starting and stopping at such explosion is just like. It's really like I'm watching a player in the NFL. It's like I'm watching like a defensive end, and I'm just like, like Miles Garrett, and I'm like, oh, like this dude just looks different from everybody else. He moves different, and he looks different. <laughs> and he's um, he's three inches taller than Miles Garrett. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just... And how when he was healthy and they had their team, they were playing such good basketball, the Pelicans were. Uh, and he's just able to get to the rim with such... The, the way he blows by guys, and then, and then he's too strong for a lot of guys, too, and, and just the way he gets to the rim, like... And he has, like, he has like the most explosive spin move in, like, NBA history, too. Yeah. His first, no, his first step is insane. He might have the, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say he has the best first step in the NBA, but his first step is, he's getting by the second, the first, the, the primary defender. Right. And then and he, he's got such strong rim finishing skills yeah. as well. Yeah, you know, I, I do think he plays like top 10 caliber at, when he's healthy, when he's the healthy, issue, the issue is not healthy enough for you to, you know, definitively put him yes. in the top ten. Same with Anthony Davis, right? And and Kawhi Leonard, like all three of those guys are, feel like top ten caliber players when they're healthy, but they're just not haven't been healthy enough to put them in there. Um. All right, so my next takeaway is the Miami Heat. They need big depths. Like, again, oh, they just lost their backup center, Orlando Robinson, to some fracture. He just went underwent surgery for that. Um, behind Bam, their their next center now is Dwayne Dedman, who's just, you, you and me both, we know he's a terrible player. Um, no, no. Uh, just have to shoot straight about it. Like, they still have any depth at the big position like I see that they're will I keep seeing that they're willing to move on from Kyle Lowry um which is fine but are they really they, though I, they everybody yeah. says that but are they really though I think they want to I don't think I don't know if they'll be able to because uh, of that because he's just that's I don't think it's a good contract um but they they need some uh, depth behind Bam, for sure. They need more size. I think they're one of the smallest teams in the league. Uh, so, big depths. I don't have any names like names for you besides like, you know, maybe Vanderbilt or bringing back Olenek. Uh, besides those guys, I can't really think of any right now. But they need uh, more big depths. If they're going to go anywhere. So my next one is on Jason Tatum. Um, and I think it's always been tough for me with Tatum to kind of figure out where I think he belongs in the NBA hierarchy. But I think my biggest takeaway this year is he's having the best year of his career. I think Tatum's apex as a basketball player lies somewhere in between not quite prime Kevin Durant, but above peak Kawhi Leonard. So we're going to have Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard on a scale. Are, are you talking about Tatum right now or when you think Tatum? No, I think he has a few more levels to go. But I think now I'm kind of feeling like I'm getting a better gauge of where I think this is going with Tatum. I think his apex is not won't quite ever be Kevin Durant. But it's definitely going to be well above Kawhi Leonard. Which is a definitive okay. top five player in the NBA. Yeah, I also want to really stress that Tatum, even though he's been in the league like five years now, he's still um, 
24. He turned 25 in a month. So he's around 25. But that is not when you hit your prime. You hit your athletic prime around 26, 27 years old. So he hasn't even hit his prime yet. And he's averaging 31 points on 61% true shooting percentage. He's also averaging almost nine rebounds a game and 4.4 assists per game. So, yeah, I agree. Like, oh, the sky's the limit for him, don't you think? With that defensive ability as well at length. Yeah, that, that's why I think it's it's going to be well above Kawhi because he's a he's a better passer than Kawhi was. I think he's better making reads than Kawhi was. I mean, more athletic, probably not quite the peak defender, but a better shooter. Uh, it, it's. It's extremely high level. It's those cross court one arm passes that he makes that are just insane. <laughs> yeah, uh, he does have really, he, he does have those really strong cross court passes. I think he sees the court um, better than he's ever seen it. I I would like to see those assist numbers increase um, in the next few seasons. And they will. And I also like to see his consistency increase because you know the percentages are there in terms of consistency but he has one he has too many games where he disappears and I think when he hits his prime those will be pretty much gone I could talk about Tatum all all day though (laughs) I knew you would appreciate that one Eli I knew you would appreciate that one All right, so my next takeaway is this also kind of leads into, like, uh, it, it, it relates to my disappointments, but who needs to sell at the deadline? I think the Raptors need, need to move up at least some pieces. The Jazz need to trade their pieces for sure because they're not really going anywhere. Um I don't think the Bulls will. Um, and, you know, besides that, I don't really think you're going to have crazy sellers. Uh, I, I think the Raptors and the Jazz are the, are the top two, you know, selling teams uh, at the deadline. Yeah, I would have... The Raptors are definitely going to need to sell. They need to jettison it. Yeah, what do you, what do you think? I keep hearing people bring up trading Siakam. I don't know how I feel about that. How old is Siakam? Is he like 25? Is he closer to... He's 27, isn't he? He's probably older than I think he is. Uh, Siakam? Yes. He is 28. He's 28? I feel like Siakam's a lot younger, but maybe that's just me. Uh... Actually, he was probably around 24 when Toronto won their championship, right? That's probably when he was... That that makes sense. That was 2019, right? Yeah. So, it's like 24, yeah. Yeah, that, maybe that makes sense. I Maybe maybe I was thinking when that happened, Siakam was closer to 1920, which he wasn't. Uh, yeah, you probably have to start getting rid of Siakam. Uh, maybe, I mean, friend Fleet is, is a little older, too. Uh, maybe get some younger guys to build around Scotty Barnes. I guess the question is, I don't know what Scotty Barnes is still. 
a lot of people are talking about OG and Anobi. I think Scotty Barnes is pretty much untouchable. Like they're gonna go with him. He's gonna be the guy. Hey, they're, they're talking about OG and Anobi, Gary Trent Jr. and Fred VanVleet. What, what about those three guys? I've heard some Siakam stuff too, but in terms of those three guys, okay. I I think I think you try to keep. What are you gonna get for them? What are you gonna get for them? Well, here's here's why. I don't know as much about OG because you can get a haul for OG. The teams have been offering a bunch yes. of firsts for him reportedly. Um, but you need, I think, in my view, you have to trade at least one of Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. Or you're going to lose them for nothing in free agency because those guys are walking. Those guys are walking in free agency. So you need to trade at least one of them. Get some assets. That's where I'm at with then it'd probably be, I mean, you'd probably try to trade both of them. Especially if you don't think you have a chance of making it to the playoffs, depending on how they view themselves now. Uh, or even a chance to play in. Right. You'll probably get more from Van Fleet than Gary Trent. Uh, yeah, you, you would. That, and that's why I think um, Gary Trent is the most likely to get moved, because he'd command the least. That's definitely fair. So, my next one is Jokic averaging a triple-double. Like, Jokic, <laughs> uh, it, it's actually kind of crazy. Eli, a lot of people made a lot of the Westbrook year when he averaged a triple-double, but I don't feel like anybody's talking about the fact that Jokic is doing the exact same thing, and he's having, like, a gajillion times better season than what Westbrook did. Yeah, I mean, he's insane. Like, yeah. he's averaging, what's he averaging? He's averaging 25, 11, and 10, right? Yeah. On on 63% field goal percentage, yeah. by and, the way. And all the advanced, all the advanced stats love Jokic. I mean, he's like top three in everything. <laughs> he's, not, he's top one in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's top one yeah. in but, all the advanced stats. Uh, I mean, I was, I was, I was hard on Jokic earlier in, in the podcast, talking about how like he's a bad, he's bad defensively, uh, and, and the most important defensive position. But he, at least regular season wise, he more than makes up for it by being the best offensive player in the league and yeah. the most valuable player in the league, um, according to all the advanced stats, according to you know the voters the past two seasons. He might even get a third straight MVP. He's yeah. he's already an all-time great. Yeah. So my, my takeaway here is I think Jokic is kind of underappreciated. Uh, like in terms of his all-time status? Yeah, and I feel like in his current – like I, I feel – and maybe just – maybe I talk to, and listen to, to different people, but I just feel like people don't – I feel like the people who I hear really gush about Jokic are people who are very ingrained in the NBA community. I don't hear – the average NBA fan gush about Jokic like I feel they should. Because I feel like Jokic is not... is Jokic's game and how good he is and something that you have to be I that in the weeds to appreciate. You know what I'm saying? I don't think you have to be that in the weeds to appreciate it. I, I agree um, 100% on the fan thing. Like, I don't think the average NBA fan appreciates him. I do think the media appreciates him as evidenced by them voting him back-to-back MVPs. Yeah. And I think um, the players are kind of, I, I don't know, probably a little I split. I think the players do. Uh, 
all the players who have played with him, you can hear in their interviews how much um, fun it is. Him, how much fun it is. Yeah, how much fun it is to play with him because I heard Ken Chavis Cabo Pope on, I forget which podcast it was. I think it was um, The Low Post um, with Zach Lowe. He was talking about like how he never thought like he would be standing in the you know the corner or something. He never thought he would be getting the ball, but all of a sudden Jokic somehow finds him like with a behind the back pass. Um, so teammate, his teammates love playing with him. I think players really do acknowledge how good he is. And but I I think I agree. I definitely agree on how he's underappreciated by the average fan. Um, and I think so far he's a little underappreciated in regards to the, his all-time status, and I think that you know kind of plays off how the average NBA fan uh, underappreciates it. Why do you think that is? Um, I think he doesn't. Besides his passing, he isn't that flashy. Uh, only his passion, passing is like really super entertaining to watch. He's not just like some crazy athlete or anything. Um. Also, he plays for Denver, which is not a huge market either. I think those are the biggest contributing factors. That's fair. All right, my my next takeaway is, and maybe you can help me out on this one, Daryl. What the heck are the Wizards doing? Like the they going nowhere fast. The, yeah, they are going nowhere fast. They gave Bradley Beal fifty million dollars. Which he's not worth. That is a terrible contract. Congrats to Bradley Beal, though. Uh, Get your money while you can. Yeah, even yeah. when you're not worth it. <laughs> he got his bag. Um, they traded Rui Hachimura for not much, so they could dodge the tax. They're they're dodging the tax, and they're barely in the play-in. Like, how bad do you have to be to? be doing that and also so they could pay Kyle Kuzma like a huge huge sum of money that nobody else no other team is going to give him I just think like you said they're going nowhere fast they're going nowhere fast it's an incompetent probably the most incompetent front office in the league and uh, I think they have the worst future in the league Yeah, it's it's not looking good. At some point, they're gonna have to try to trade Beal, but I don't know with that contract. How, how how can you do that with that contract? It's gonna be really tough, and it won't be. In the, I don't think they're gonna be able to do it for years because he's not a free agent until twenty six, twenty seven at the earliest. Yeah, it's. It's been bad news bears for the Wizards. Nowhere fast. Yeah. I mean, with this little iteration of the group, they probably have the talent where maybe they can make the playoffs one year, but I don't. I mean, going nowhere fast. Yeah, I agree. So, next, uh kind of want to get into the fall of Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Simmons was a guy, Eli... About four years ago, he was like an all-NBA, all-star caliber player. And and now when we talk about the Brooklyn Nets, everybody's like, it's just Kevin Durant now. It's just Kevin Durant. It, like, 
and it's so crazy. Like, I've never seen an athlete that's had this far of a fall from grace, Eli. Like, four years ago, we were saying, like, he was, like, a one of the 20 best players in the league. I remember his rookie year when people were saying, this guy could be the next LeBron James if he develops a jumper. I know. People were saying, oh, he could be honest if he had a jumper. People, then people right. were saying that, like... Or he could just be as good as Giannis, even without the jumper. Yeah, like... Yeah. It is... And then we went from, maybe he can just be Draymond, and now he's not even that. <laughs> I don't... I the, the fall from grace for Ben Simmons is just... It has been... It's one of the most interesting case studies on sports psychology and just how some guys fall off the yeah. cliff. It, it it really needs to be a study done on this one, because uh, I don't understand it. It, it I, I don't understand it at all, and, there, and there's no reason why this guy shouldn't be one of the 25 best players in the league. There, there's really no reason why he shouldn't be. There was a point where if you said Brandon Ingram was better than Ben Simmons, people would have laughed at you. Now you would laugh at somebody for saying Ben Simmons is better than Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with like the sports psychology stuff. I do think so much of this doesn't have to do with his talent, but has to do with his mind. Like, his confidence, he just is afraid to take a shot. He's only attempting six shots a game now, which he used to uh, average 12. Now he's he's at, at 12 or 11. Like, he's averaging only seven points a game now. Used to average... 16 and 17 years where he averaged 16, 17 points a game. Um, he, I still think the talent is there. If the confidence comes back, I still think he can be a solid player. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star uh, year in and year out, but I do think he can work his way back to being a solid player. Um, but he needs his confidence back if that's going to happen. I don't know if he ever. I don't know if he ever gets it back. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. Interesting I don't case know. study. Very interesting case study. How that all went yeah. sideways because he is not. He's not even a factor. Like he's a three-time All Star. It feels weird to say because he's now regarded to have like the worst contract in, in the league. No one will trade for him. And he's like what? Only twenty-five. <laughs> And he's a 6'11 freak athlete who can do all these different things. It's just, it, it's weird. It, it's very weird. Right. Um, Alright, so my next takeaway, I know you talked about this on your last podcast, but I want to talk about the first-time All-Stars. Jaron Jackson Jr., Shea Gilson-Alexander, Tyrese Halliburton and Laurie Markkinen. Those are the first time. Those are the four first-time All-Stars this year. And I also wanted to talk about snubs. I think the biggest snubs were Pascal Siakam, James Harden, and Jalen Brunson. I would be taking off personally Drew Holiday and Julius Randle and Demar Derozan. And I, uh, I want to clarify: these are my biggest snubs in the East. Uh, Siakam, Harden, and Brunson. I would be taking off Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, DeMar DeRozan personally. 
And I think the biggest snubs in the West were Darren Fox and Anthony Edwards. And I'm taking out Jaron Jackson Jr. and Paul George. And I know um, Curry will be out for the All-Star break. So I think we will get Fox or Anthony Edwards into the All-Star game now. But still, one of those guys are, is going to be snubbed. And I don't. Paul George definitely didn't deserve it. Um, but yeah, James Harden. To recap, James Harden, Jalen Brunson, Pascal Siakam, in for Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, DeMar DeRozan, and then De'Aaron Fox and Anthony Edwards in for Jared Jackson Jr. and Paul George. Personally for me. Yeah, Paul George was definitely a big snub. Paul George was a guy who I had on my uh, all-star battle when I did that last week. Uh, I don't understand how Paul George isn't in the all-star. I mean, the numbers... He is. I have him off. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I misunderstood. Wait, why do you have Paul George off? Uh, I don't think he's had as good a season as Anthony Edwards. You know, he's averaging less points. He, uh, Edwards is averaging 25. Uh, Paul George is averaging 23. Um, let's see. Fox is also averaging 24. Both of them are averaging more points than him. And also, Fox has been, like, the second-best fourth-quarter fourth scorer in the league behind Kyrie Irving this year. He's been, like, the second-most clutch player in the league. Are you okay with Kyrie Irving being an all-star starter? What? Are you okay with Kyrie Irving being an all-star starter? Yeah, I am. He's been, he's been that good. Definitely. Um, I, I just don't think Paul George was at the level of Edwards and Fox this season. And they've got, both of them have better numbers than PG. I, I think the thing is, Fox is harder for me. He's also the second best player on his team. I, I also like for the all-star team to be more balanced with, he might be able to convince me on Anthony Edwards. I'm still, I'm still kind of out on Fox. Uh, Edwards has a kid. I just didn't like the way Minnesota started the season. That's my biggest beef. I didn't like the way. I know, but, but it's not just um, about how you start the season. It, I know. It's how, it's how you finish. It, it, it's how you right. finish. It's how you finish. That, and, that's... and he's up to like almost 25 points a game now as the best player on a team with a winning record. It's a team with a winning record. They're in the seventh spot right now. Uh, I just don't. I just don't think he's he's. I still think Paul George has been as good as as Edwards or Fox, and I think the Kings. Even though the King, if in your opinion, Fox is the second best player on the. On the Kings, the Kings are good. Have been good enough that they could deserve have to have two All Stars on, on their team. They're the three seed. That's fair. Yeah. So my next takeaway is Chris Paul. Uh, the Chris Paul fall for grace. I think everybody was always wondering when Chris Paul was going to kind of start falling off that cliff a little bit. I think now we've kind of hit that. Uh, 
Chris Ball, to me, is no longer officially good to be one of your two best players on a championship team. He probably wasn't good enough the last few years, but now it's becoming really painfully clear. Probably not even top three. I think, ideally, Chris Paul should be your fourth best player. I think, ideally. Uh, the, the efficiency's just dropped. He went from 49% to 43%. Uh, the three-point shooting's ironically better. I mean, he, the go-getter... I mean, his efficiency numbers have dropped... Every year for the past four years. Yeah. And the injuries just keep piling up. Right. So, I, I don't know. Fourth option is, might be a little too harsh for me. I think, no, let me rephrase this. I think ideally if you're going to have a bona fide championship team, if you're your fourth best player, that's very good. He'd be like the best fourth option in the league, I think. Still, I, I think he's number three. I, de- I definitely agree that there's no way anymore he's a, he's a number two. Um, he, he's, his assists have dropped by two this year. He's, uh, he's obviously you talked about the efficiency has dropped and he's not scoring. His scoring output isn't as, isn't as good either. He's just dropped in all facets of his production and the defense isn't there either anymore, which, you know, Chris Paul usually uh, was a well-established, had been a well-established um, defensive guard, too. But the, uh, he hasn't been as good on that end either. So I agree. He, he's def- You're definitely seeing the decline now. Um, so my next takeaway I wanted to talk about the most impressive rookies uh, this year. I don't know who you have on your list, but for me, the most impressive rookies this year have been obviously Paolo Bancaro on the Magic, Benedict Matherin, who's a, for some somehow a sixth man of the year candidate for the Indiana Pacers out in his rookie year. Uh, Walker Kessler of the Jazz, who looks like he's going to be a solid center starting center for a decade now and Keegan Murray of the Kings I think those have been the most impressive rookies so far this season yeah, especially Paula I didn't realize Paula was that good coming out of Duke Paula's... Yeah, I had him number one on my board and he looks like he's going to be an instant almost an instant all-star Would you say he's top 40 in the NBA right now? He's top 40 player? Top 50 for sure, probably. Top 50 for sure. I, I need to look at I need to look at like an extensive list of players before I'd say he's top 40. But he got some all, he got a lot of all-star votes. Yeah. As he should have. As he, yeah. As a rookie. Yeah, no, that's deserving. That's the, definitely bordering on all-star caliber. He's definitely a borderline all-star caliber player. As a rookie. Yeah. I'd be shocked if he's not an all-star in the next two seasons. He's already um, scoring at um, a really you know, good, solid level for a rookie. And uh, he... As the number one option, so too. Good at, he's so Yeah, he's really agile for his size. And he's so good at creating contact and getting to the free throw line, too. Like, that's a really, really valuable skill to have at this age as well and I think that I, I expect that three point shot to come along as well 
So next for me is I think the NBA needs to start looking at potentially an all NBA fourth team. The league has gotten so deep and so talented. I think it's starting to become a little unfair not to have an all NBA fourth team. <laughs> I I think I disagree on this one because I think I like how hard it is um, to make an all NBA team. I think it uh, makes the accomplishment that much more valuable and special. That's or, or it doesn't have to be an All-NBA fourth team. It could be an All-NBA honorable mention. It could be... I, I feel like there has to be some notoriety for these guys because I think that they, as the league has continued to get deeper and deeper, I think what it meant to be on an All-NBA team 20 to 30 years ago is different than what it means now or to not make the cut. It's inherently gotten so much harder. Yeah, um, I still think that's another way of saying honorable mentions. Is like I still think that's like another way of saying, oh, like all NBA fourth team. I just think there's, and I feel the same way of, of expanding like all star rosters. I know a lot of people were saying they wanted to expand the all star rosters after the snubs. I feel the same way, like. It just—I like how hard it is to make the All-Star team. I like how hard it is to make an All-NBA team. It makes the accomplishment that much more special and impressive for an individual player. That's that's just where I'm at with it. That's fair. I, I can understand why you think that, and typically, yeah. I'm with agreement with that philosophy. Just. Is Tyrese Halliburton going to make an All-NBA team this year? I don't know. See, that's what I'm saying, Eli. <laughs> that's what yeah, I'm saying. I, only because, only because of how many games he missed. I think he definitely would. If uh, he's like, a, he would be a lock for All NBA if he hadn't missed any games. But because of those missed games, someone could overtake him. He's still got a shot. Still got a shot for All NBA thirteen. Yeah, I just, I, the league has just gotten so deep. I, I, I think I, I think my thing is I think the league is becoming so deep that maybe it needs to be more, considered more based off the depth. And I, if the league wasn't as deep as it was, then I wouldn't feel this way. I just feel like there, as there becomes more and more obviously high-quality elite basketball players that aren't making these teams, I think there might need to be an adjustment in how we're uh, doing this. I think yeah, that should be taken I, into account. I think that should be taken into account. Or at least started to be monitored. I understand your line of thinking. For sure. Um, Alright. My second to last takeaway is Houston Rockets. I know they were supposed to be really uh, bad anyways. But um, they're worse. They're even worse than, expect, than expected. Like, they're probably, in my opinion, the worst watch from a fan perspective, like, from a basketball perspective, I mean, in the NBA. Like, that offense, oh, man, it's just so hard to watch. It's just constant iso ball, like, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn on the offensive end. Um, and I think, I think Steven Silas is going to be on the hot seat soon. 
if if he isn't already now, because it's they're they're painful to watch, and it, it's not the rebuild is not going too well. I'd say. Yeah, I'd agree with you. The, just not good basketball over there. Houston's gonna need a little bit of a makeover. Uh, so for yeah. me, yeah. So for me, my second to last takeaway is on Boston. Uh, the Celtics have the deepest NBA roster I think we've seen in like the last twenty years, and maybe more. I don't. I don't. I, I struggle to name rosters that I think one through nine, one through eight, one through ten that are better. Obviously, the Warriors come to mind. I think the Warriors are better on the top, and I don't think the Warriors go seven, eight, nine deep like the Celtics do. I mean, you're talking like Michael Brogdon might be the eighth best player on the team. Mike Bro- Michael Brogdon is a dude that's average. Malcolm Brogdon. Ma- Malcolm Brogdon. Excuse me, Malcolm. I said Michael. Malcolm Brogdon's a dude who has averaged 17 a game in his career. <laughs> like, and he might be like the seventh eighth dude, best dude on the team. Yeah. I- yeah, they they do have really crazy depth. They're, those that top eight is really really yeah. strong. It, it it's the best top eight in the league. Obviously, it's a it's. I I, I don't want to be too hasty in crowning them like, you know, deepest team in the last twenty years yet. Before we, I want to see how it hold, how it holds up in the playoffs first. Uh, but we are looking at the deepest team in the league. The strongest, you know, top eight in the league, and a bona fide championship favorite up there with Milwaukee. Um, they don't really have any weaknesses at all. Uh, come playoff time. No, they don't at all. It's that, that's why. I mean, I, I think the only team that I can think of is some of those Warriors teams. When they had guys like Sean Livingston, Nick Adagla, yeah. you know, coming off the bench and stuff. But besides that, I maybe the Spurs the year in 2014, but I don't think that Spurs team was quite as good, especially defensively. I don't think they had the dude to – it's just a two-way ability. You have dudes who can create off the dribble yeah, and defend their position. You have multiple dudes who can create off the dribble and defend their position. Like, that's – yeah, that's a good point. Like, that's another factor of it. Like, they don't have any weaknesses on the defensive end in their top eight players. No one's a bad defender. I mean, on, at least on the ball. No one's a bad on-the-ball defender uh, at all. And that's just a really strong team, top to bottom, offensively, defensively. And then, um, so, yeah, what? I was going to say, guy like Peyton Pritchard, I mean... He, how many lineups would he? How, how many? Peyton Pritchard is Peyton Pritchard is not a bad basketball player at all by any means, and he can't even like really crack the like. He would be a rotation player on like ninety percent of NBA teams. Right, and when they're healthy, he doesn't make the rotation because they have Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, and Derek White all ahead of him. So. He, they could use for um, you know regular season stuff. They could use maybe some big depth or wing depth, but that's not going to matter uh, if they're healthy in the playoffs. That's not going to matter. Um, all right, my 
last takeaway is on the bright futures of the New Orleans Pelicans and Cleveland Cavaliers. So firstly, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have a really, really good core, good young core. Like, of those four guys, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, all young, really exceptional players at their positions. They don't have really, you know, good depth around them right now, and they're inexperienced playoff, uh, playoff-wise. So I don't think they're going to do much damage this year. But going forward, with those four guys, that's a championship core right there if you have let them develop together and then add some more pieces. That's a championship core right there in Cleveland. I would agree with you. I I think Cleveland is potentially a, a wing away this year from really not beating Milwaukee or Boston, but maybe making things interesting in the second round. A little scare. A little scare. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I could see them taking those guys to six yeah. or seven. Yeah. I, maybe six. Not yeah, seven, but six. I, they're a wing player for making things very interesting in the second round. They're a wing. They're a legit wing. Uh, right, I don't see you know anybody else besides those four guys having a real, like a really um, implanted into the future of the team. But those four are good enough to have championship aspirations yeah and uh the other team i was talking about is the pelicans i know they went on that 10 game losing streak but they did that mostly without zion and ingram um when they have zion Wilkinson and brandon ingram they were a top three seed and i think they continue to be at that level when once those guys are back on the court together and they've got great depth around them and willie green has them has their defense in the top ten in defensive rating when they're all when they're all healthy? I just think they've got really good role players too, with Najee Marshall, Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones is an All NBA defense level guy. Jonas Valanciunas, that's a that's a really good, and obviously CJ McCollum is another scorer. That's a really good uh, roster, well rounded roster. Uh, that has bright future because they're young. They're also a really young team. So my last takeaway is about Nikola Jokic. He is since another Jokic one. I I know I, you have to give the man his flowers. I'm yep. gonna say since 2000. I'm just gonna put this out there. Since 2000, uh, he's the best offensive player we've seen not named LeBron James or Steph Curry. And I might have to reevaluate how I feel about where he compares with those two guys in particular as an offensive player. But after that, I think there's a substantive drop-off. And maybe you could say 2,000 Shaq because of the sheer dominant force Shaq was. Maybe I'm not giving Shaq enough credit. But just consistently playing every game, game in and game out, which you get in terms of offensive creation is just unmatched. It really is. I, I mean, I, I said all I needed 
uh, all I uh, needed to say on your last Jokic check boy, like he's the best. I think he's the best offensive player in the league. I I think he's even ahead of Luca. I think he's the best passer. Uh, he's obviously the best passing big man of all time already. Um, I think he's the best passer in the league currently. Uh, I think he has a case to be one of the best, to be the number one passer ever when it's all said and done. Um, and on top of that, he is averaging um, 25 points on 70% true shooting. You know, there's not much. And, and what makes this even crazier is he's not even top 10 in usage. <laughs> he is, and he's... Oh, <laughs> yeah, that... That that mind boggles me. That mind boggles me. I, I need somebody to stat check that. Has there ever been a player who has led their team in points, rebounds, and assists and not been top 10 in usage? That mind blows me. That The most impressive thing for me regarding that is how he can still get 10 assists a game without top 10 usage. Because usage in assists has the largest correlation uh, over uh, even more than points and rebounds, obviously over rebounds, but like how do you have 10 assists a game with not even top 10 usage? That's crazy. And he's clear of the fulcrum of their offense. He's clear of the fulcrum of their offense too, which yeah, like it it just how Jokic is not top 10. Every time I look at, sometimes I'll always just look at the Jokic, uh, the usage in the top ten. I'll be like, okay, Jokic is going to be on there. Jokic's like, nope, he's never on there. And I'm just like, what is going on here? How is Jokic not top ten? I, I just don't understand it. And he gets rid of the ball so quickly. He never has the ball in his hands like that. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. Uh, he's very much a guy who's not just standing there with the ball in his hands. You, you'll never see Jokic. And, and he's so quick and he has such a bad, he, his reads are phenomenal. As soon as he right. gets the ball, it's coming back out. <laughs> yep. It's, it's insane. It is. Did you have any other takeaways? Nope. They're all my takeaways. So those are your takeaways. Those are all my takeaways. Yep. Well, Eli, I enjoy doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoy it every time I come on here. And I'd love to do it again. And once again, I want to thank... Eli Weisberger for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 537th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Hit it in the limits. I got some cash. I'm-